Good morning. Oh, that wasn't good at all. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see all of you. An exciting week. We have our newest member of this congregation, a little baby, Isaiah Thomas Stanton was born this week. Uh, you know Taylor and Allie. Allie's our uh, kids director downstairs, so they had their baby, and we celebrate with them. Now she's on maternity leave. They're all doing great, but she wanted me to tell you, make sure they know there's opportunities to serve with the kids and the middle school, so I'm letting you all know about that opportunity for this next month while they're gone. Come talk to me personally. I would love to have that conversation and tell you about how to serve our next generation. So turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. If you brought a Bible from home, good job. If someone around you brought a Bible from home, give them a thumbs up. If you are pulling up your Bible app on your phone, make sure you show your neighbor that you're not playing a video game or scrolling TikTok. You really got the Bible on there. Matthew chapter 5, verse 33, we're going through a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. It's a sermon that Jesus gave, guess where? On the Mount, good job class. And this is, it goes through a bunch of different subjects. Today's subject is where Jesus gets to talk about our words, what we say. And so I've titled this message, Our Word is Our Bond, And that's a phrase that I'll explain a little later in this sermon. But Matthew 5, 33, would you stand with me as we prepare our hearts for the reading of this word? These are Jesus' words to us in his longest sermon to humanity as it's recorded in scripture. And here we are listening to what Jesus has to say about our words. He says this, again, you have heard it said to the people long ago, do not break an oath, but fulfill the, to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all. I'm going to read that phrase again. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all. Then he gives some examples. Either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by earth, it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair, white or black. And then here's what Jesus tells us to do, verse 37. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Christ, you are in our midst. And Lord, right now, as we read this scripture, we're um, delighted to follow you in your ways as we communicate and speak and speak the truth. Lord, breathe inside of us that we may be your servants to please you. We pray that the words of our mouth, the meditations of our heart will be holy, pleasing, acceptable to you, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We pray this in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people at New Life Manitou shouted, Amen. You may be seated. Let me tell you a story. This is like a playground kid's story. It uh, happened to me years ago. I had a brand new G.I. Joe guy, and I showed up to the playground to play with the other kids playing G.I. Joes, and our mom started calling us. My mom's here now. And, and so we went in, and as I was going in, I went to pick up my G.I. Joes, and I couldn't find my brand new one. And so I was like, hey, does, does anybody know where my new G.I. Joe thing is? They're like, no. We don't know. And I was like, did, did one of you take it? And they're like, no, we didn't take it. 
and said, do, do you swear you didn't take it? And he said, yeah, we swear. Do you promise you didn't take it? Yeah, we promise. Do you swear in your mother's grave? Yeah, they all sweared on their mother's grave. Do you cross your heart and hope to die? Yeah, we didn't steal it. Will you pinky swear? And they each pinky swears. Like, where's the, it was right here. Where is it? So I went home without my G.I. Joe. And then a couple days later, one of those kids happens to have a brand new G.I. Joe, just like mine. I said, hey, that's my G.I. Joe. And he said, oh, you're right. And I was like, what? Like, you promised, you swore, you crossed your heart, you hoped to die, your mom's grave, swear to God, blah, blah, blah. You said you didn't steal it. And he said, yeah, but the whole time I was, I was crossing my fingers. Like, you little punk, you little brat, you stole it, you lied. What, what is this? What's the crossing of the fingers? It's nothing. Jesus has a message to those who make promises. <laughs> This message has three points. The first point is this. Become someone of your word. Become someone of your word. I, I will tell you how this kind of practically applies a little later in this message. But first, let's look at what Jesus has to say in his context. And I think you'll see that like the playground example I just gave, that's not too far off from what was happening in the ancient world. Jesus says, don't even swear an oath at all. And then he says, don't swear an oath by these different things. Verse 34 of Matthew 5 says, don't swear by heaven. He says, don't swear by earth. Don't swear by Jerusalem. And then he says, don't even swear by your own head. And it seems to me that, and other Bible scholars of the ancient world, that people had different levels of telling the truth. That if you, if you, I don't know what the levels here were, but if it's like, I'm, I'm going to kind of tell the truth, I'll swear by my own head. But if I'm going to really tell the truth, I'll swear by Jerusalem. And if I'm really, really going to swear uh, something and tell you the truth, well, then it'll be by earth or by heaven. And Jesus says, this is ridiculous. Like, just don't even swear at all. Don't even take an oath. Just simply say yes or no. That's all you need to say. There shouldn't be these levels of truth-telling. Like in our day and age, it would be like uh, two people agreeing to something and then one person doesn't carry it out and the other person comes and says, hey, I thought you said you were going to do this. And you would say, well, I, I said that, but I didn't promise it. Like, what, what does that mean that you say that word, promise, in order to do something you said? Or like you make a deal and you go to pay and there's like, well, and now it's going to be a little more. What do you mean? We agreed on this price. Well, we didn't shake on it. It's like, well, it doesn't matter. Like, like, keep your word. Jesus is saying, be people who keep our words. And this is something I really think in our society, New Life Manitou, the church in general, the church in the United States, in our world today, we really need to address it. We've, we've become so accustomed to either changing our minds or not doing what we said we we're going to do or you know, being late or just being people who kind of twist things or add fees at the end or just this whole world of loosey-goosey like with our words. Think about when you buy a house. Has anybody ever bought a house? A couple of people, homeowners. Uh, my wife and I bought a house, uh, our first house a long time ago. Uh, we were astounded by the amount of paper, the reams of paper you have to sign when you go to the title company. You can't, like, here we are, we're wanting to buy this house. Here the seller is, wants to sell the house. Why can't we do, why can't this be a quick thing? Instead, like, we were trying to read every page. That's kind of a mistake. You got to know what you're going into. It took us about two hours to sign this reams of paperwork. Why? 
Well, because everything has to be written out. Everything has to be signed and dated. Why? Well, because our words really have lost power. Don't you think? Like, like we, we live in a world where uh, we, we don't just trust each other off the bat. There's a book that I read last year. Uh, it's one of Stephen Covey's books. Some of you might be Stephen Covey fans. He, he wrote Seven Habits. One of his uh, lesser known books is called The Speed of Trust. And this book is about uh, how quickly you can do things if you trust, say, your business partner or a person you're doing a deal with or even your spouse or a friend. If you have trust between you, well, then we just say something and we agree on it and we move on and things get done and the world keeps moving and how great it is just secularly, like without the spiritual element, when people trust each other and how good and wonderful that is. But Jesus has something spiritually to say about those who can't be trusted, about those who don't keep their word. And we might all think like, well, if, you know, if really you know, put to the test and will we tell the truth in these like big things, decisions in our life, I think most of us would be like, yeah, we're, we're people who are trustworthy. But I think what I want to speak to is, is like the everyday kind of stuff. The I'll be there and then you aren't. The I'll do it and then it's not done. The this is the price and then you get to the end and it's like, what's all these fees? I thought we already agreed on this price. The, the false advertising. Does anybody else get mad about false? You go in and you're like, man, I thought this was the thing. It's like, well, it is. But then we added this fee for this. Then you got to add delivery. And it's like, it's double the price. What just happened? Like, this is a scam. This is a scam. This is a mockery. I get kind of mad at that kind of stuff. Or kids and parents. Like, parents, be parents who... You know, say you're going to do something and then do it. I've made the mistake many times of saying to kids, I have four boys, maybe afterwards we'll, we'll get ice cream. And then we don't. And I said, well, well, I said maybe. In a kid's mind, do they hear that word maybe? No, not at all. All they heard was, you promised we're getting ice cream after this. And then you just have to be careful with, with, with your words with everyone. You have to say yes or no and not swear an oath. Jesus is saying, don't even swear an oath. There's not a, a need to, to add these promises and, and, and things uh, and swear by this and that. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. So Jesus says, uh, do not swear an oath at all. And, and what I've kind of realized in the speaking of this sermon is whether it's an oath or a promise, or a pledge, or swearing, or a handshake agreement, or signing on the dotted line. All these things are kind of the same, and they, they should almost come to us as Christians as not necessary. We don't have to preface like a, a promise with saying, I promise, and I swear on my mother's grave, and I cross my heart and hope to die. We shouldn't have to add all these things on if we are people of our word, right? So here's, here's, a, here's a question for you. Are you someone who is... Uh, trustable? Are you someone who, like, people think, oh, yeah, if, if they say they'll do it, they're going to do it. If they say they're going to be there, they'll be there. Are you that kind of person? And maybe you don't know about yourself what people think about you. Well, here's a good test. If someone is always trying to get you to, like, promise, like, like you say you're going to be there, but, but do you promise? Or will you handshake on it? If people are trying to, like, you know, take, take you to the next step of some sort of agreement, you might be a person who, to them, have broken trust several times. If you're the kind of person that you're always getting texted, like, are you on your way? You might be the kind of person that has failed to be somewhere with this particular person in different situations. And so you might be the kind of person 
that isn't keeping your word when it comes to just day-to-day kinds of stuff. So here's a question for you. Jesus just says, uh, don't swear at all. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. That's actually out of James, uh, a quote from James from Jesus here in the Sermon on the Mount that just says simply, say yes or say no. So here's another question for you. Question we could kind of talk about maybe later. It's a fun question, kind of a Bible-busting question. Do you like Bible-buster questions? I kind of, like this kind of stuff keeps me up at night. Like I, I think about this stuff. It's kind of nerdy. So this, is, this will be your nerd alert of the day. Nerd alert. All right, so if you go to court and, and maybe you're a witness, maybe you're a jury member, they will hold out a Bible. And what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to put your hand on the Bible and swear an oath, right? That you're telling that what is, what's the phrase? The whole truth, nothing but the truth, something about the truth. You're supposed to tell the truth <laughs> with your hand on the Bible, right? But has anyone else ever thought of the conundrum that it is that we put our hand on a book to swear an oath when the book says not to swear an oath? Has anybody, raise your hand if you've ever thought, am I the, okay, a couple people have thought like, wait, doesn't Jesus say not to swear an oath and that's in the book you're putting your hand on? Like, what's the deal with that? So the question, the nerd question of the day, the kind of like, this is kind of a fun Bible busting question. Uh, Like, what should we as Christians, should we not swear on the Bible in court? And I've got like, when I was younger and, and really into like seminary and Bible, just knowledge, me and my friends would sit around, we would like argue, get mad at each other about this kind of stuff. It was really quite fun looking back. Maybe we got a little too passionate, but this was like one of those fun questions. And I've come to the conclusion that maybe it's okay to swear in the Bible in court, even though, I mean, the the passage clearly says, don't swear at all. And so I'm looking at this and saying, well, what's the spirit of the law, the letter of the law here? Jesus is saying, don't use an oath to then tell a lie. He's, he's going through these different things. Don't swear by this and that so that you can like have different levels of telling the truth. Jesus is just saying, don't swear. Just say yes or no. And so if you go into a courtroom and the jury's there, you don't know the jury, the judge, you don't know the judge. They're looking at you for a sworn testimony and saying, will you promise to, to tell the whole truth? Nothing but the truth. So help you God. And I have no problem doing that Because we are all called to tell the truth when? All the time. All the time. What Jesus is preaching at here and telling us is that we shouldn't make like weird promises or cross our fingers kind of stuff to tell lies while we're actually taking oaths. We should always be telling the truth. We should always simply say yes or simply say no. So I have no problem in that a Bible brain buster question of, of swearing an oath on the Bible because that's the way we should all be living. So that's the answer. There is, in case some of you are like really torn up about this, there is a New Testament example of someone like asking someone to, to, to be under oath. Just This is just kind of rabbit trail here. But I thought it'd be fun for some of you who kind of like me and like, like what, what do you mean? Like, let's, let's get in the nitty gritty. Here's the nitty gritty. First uh, Thessalonians 5.27. Uh, Paul is writing this letter where it says, I put you under the oath. So here's Paul putting someone else under an oath by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. So basically, Paul wrote a letter to the church's meeting in Thessaloniki, and he wants this letter to be read to everyone. So he puts this letter reader under oath that it would be read in all the churches. Is that okay? 
it, yeah, I think that's okay. I think that's like when we are in our conversations, if, if you need to ask someone, if someone asks you are, you, are you serious? Are you sure you're really telling the truth? I think it's okay to say, yes, I really am telling the truth. I really do promise to do this thing. Because point number two this is a three-point sermon. Point number two is our word is our bond. And this is also the title of this sermon. It's a phrase, our word is our bond, comes from Shakespeare. At least that's the first time it's quoted that I could find. It's probably predated Shakespeare. Shakespeare is probably quoting someone else. And what this phrase has to do with is like our very name, our very character is wrapped up in what we say and if we are a truthful person. If you are a truthful person, well then your word becomes your bond. Like that's that's who you are. That's part of your character. And I think of lots of people in here who just do what they say they're gonna do, who are just people of their word, who are, they would say, oh, my word's my bond. Like, we don't need to ask them, do you promise? Are you sure you're gonna do that? You're really, really gonna do that? You have to do this and that. It's like, I just think of like Kelly or Ed or the Wallers, uh, Chris Ayers, wherever he is, like people that just, they're gonna be there. Like, I, I'm, I was in a, a little gathering of people the other day, and we're, uh, Chris Ayers, if you see him, tell him I talked really good about him. Chris Ayers shows up two minutes early, and he apologizes profusely because he, he was, man, that was a close call. Sorry, I, I'm so sorry. I, 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 almost, I was almost late. He's like, bro, you, you're actually on time. You're early. Don't apologize. But to him, he was like, you know, he's, he's an Army guy or Air Force. I forget which. Air Force colonel. And so he just comes from a, you know, a strict background. And he was apologizing for being two minutes early. Sorry, guys. Really cutting that close. Like, that, that's someone who's just like, day to day, they keep their word. And that's what they do. Let me tell you another story. This is kind of the, the practical application of, of what Jesus is saying. And it really lends into like the whole truth-telling and kind of taking advantage of people. And uh, it's, it's in some ways really kind of a sad story. I have a friend who, uh, I'm not sure if he's still a contractor, but for a while he was uh, a contractor with uh, people's projects. Like if you wanted your house remodeled, your kitchen updated, et cetera, he was the guy you'd call him. And he was known, it was, it was kind of a couple years ago, quite a few years ago actually, when the market was kind of down. And so it was hard to get jobs. So his thing was to, to give low bids. He would come in, be like, oh, you want this remodel of the kitchen or your bathroom or whatever. And he, his thing was to give a low bid and, and kind of shorten the time. So if, if another contractor came in, they all kind of said, that's oh, going to be about 10000 to do this job. It's going to take about a month. He would come in and say, I could probably do it for 6000 and I could probably do it in three weeks. And people were like, oh, great. Sounds, sounds wonderful. Let's, let's go with that bid, right? And so he was taking these bids, and he, time after time, like this wasn't just a couple incidents. This was over the course of a couple years. I heard from different individuals that I knew that he worked on their house, and they all kind of had the same story that, yeah, he had this bid and then got into the work, and everything was a mess, and we didn't have our bathroom for how many weeks? And, and then the, for whatever reason, everybody had different reasons. Like he, he ran into a problem and needed to raise the price and ran into another problem and then raised the price. And then it ended up like the final bill was like more than any of the other contractors bid by quite a bit. And that's, that was what he was doing. That's, um, it just wasn't right. Like I heard that story. It was over the course of a couple years, heard that story too many times. 
And so I decided I need to have a conversation. Like, this isn't right. What you, you're kind of giving me a bad name, and um, you're a Christian, and so uh, let's have a conversation about this. And I asked him, uh, you know, just, you know, how's, how's it been working with them, and so-and-so. And he's like, well, it's kind of hard. I had to raise the price. He's like, well, tell me about that. And he's like, well, and in his mind, it was just like, well, that's just the contractor's game. That's, that's the game they play, that we all play it. You know, we bid, and then we um, kind of look for ways to add to the bid price. And I was like, that's, that, that's not the game. Like, that's, that seems, it seems like stealing. Yeah, it seems like a conning, and, and it seems deceptive. And um, it, it, it was just rubbed me the wrong way. And I thought, that's, that's not the way that works. That's not the way that game works. And I know a little bit, I was never a contractor, but I did work construction many years ago as a framer and a trim carpenter. And I know the world of contractors. I know the world of bids and you know, sending the customer the bid and all this stuff. And I had one, my first work experience as a construction worker was, was uh, you know, the grunt guy that's carrying everything. And I didn't even know how to swing a hammer. And I was hired on. And I just remember some conversations early on where the boss, who was a really integrous guy, like a guy that was just kept his word. I remember early on, like maybe two months into this job, we, the, the, the boss said, we're probably going to lose money on this job. And I was like, we've been working here for like two weeks. You're going to lose money on this job? And he said, yeah. And he you know, was kind of throwing some numbers out. And I was like, okay, you're not just going to lose a couple hundred bucks. Like you're going you're gonna to lose a couple thousand on this job We've been work like I've been working for you. You've been paying me, and for weeks now we're gonna lose money on this. And he's just like, yeah, that's you know that's just the way it is sometimes. The way it is is that you know you try to do a job, but you run into some things you should have you know you should have thought through that, but he didn't. And so you take some into the teeth, and you lose some money on some jobs. But he said, you know what, we just do that, and hopefully our good name gets out there. And hopefully, you know, we get other jobs and we just keep our word and that's how we do business. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, amen, right? Like that's how you're supposed to do it. Like that's what a job, do, just keeping your word looks like. And I think in this world today, this proverb rings really true. Proverbs 22, verse one, about keeping your word and, and, and how that like, like, connects you with your name and who you are. It says a good name is more desirable than great riches. Amen? In this context, like a good name, like doing what you say you're going to do, keeping the price even when it hurts, and keeping an oath even when it hurts. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver and gold. At this point in the, in the sermon, I, I imagine... Some of you are feeling like, man, I, I, you can remember things in your own life where, yeah, I said I was going to do that, or man, I messed up here, or I, I told a white lie, or man, I just, I think all of us have been found guilty in this area. We, we, all of us have said something and not kept our end. And I think about um, trust and how trust works in a relationship is that like, let's say you have two buckets. You know, you have a bucket for their trust. They have a bucket for your trust. And each time something goes well and you keep your word and you do something, it's like a little drop of trust gets put into a bucket. And so you have this bucket that begins to fill up, whether it's a, a, a romantic relationship or whether it's a business relationship or a friendship. You have each other's buckets of, of trust filling up with, with little droplets of, of trust water. And eventually it's like, oh, this, this is getting pretty full. 
But you know what it takes for the whole bucket to be dumped out? Like just one, like we, we, we gain trust in drops, but we lose trust, don't we? And the whole, like think about like someone has failed you or lied to you, the whole, the whole bucket is like, well, it doesn't matter how many drops. Like to earn back that trust is gonna take a very long time because trust is earned in drops and it's lost in bucketfuls, right? That's just kind of how it works. And so we've all made a mess of our words. Here's point number three as we um, kind of conclude. And I want you to lean into this part of the sermon because I imagine uh, uh, as I've prepared this sermon this week, I've thought this several times. Maybe as you're listening to this sermon, you've thought, man, I've, I've, I know what, I've messed up. We, we've all messed up. We've all, as the Bible verse says, fallen short of the glory of God. Point number three is we've made a mess of our words, but God's promises are true. You know, we even, in our culture, it's so easy to tell something called a white lie. You know what a white lie is? It's a lie, that's what it is. But it's one of those lies that's like, well, it's not hurting anybody and we don't wanna hurt anybody's feelings or there's lots of circumstances where we tell white lies, but those all can come back to haunt us. I think about like in our culture, it's just how it works. Like someone will say, hey, let's hang out sometime. And what do you say? Sure, let's hang out sometime. And it's like, yeah, I'll give you a call. And they're like, yeah, give me a call. And you, you leave each other and you never hang out and you never call. Is anybody else guilty of that? That's just like how our, that's just like be part of being nice. How are you doing? Let's hang out sometime. Yeah, let's hang out. Like those kinds of things can come back to haunt us because, well, what if you actually wanted to hang out with them? And so then you're, you're like, hey, let, 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 how about lunch tomorrow? And they're like, well, well, I didn't. I didn't really mean I wanted to hang out with you. And he's like, well, <laughs> why just say it then? Like, don't, don't say it. Like, we, we get, like, that's just kind of how our culture works. The part of being nice is telling white lies. And I think Jesus holds us to a much higher standard than that kind of uh, empty talk or, or spinning things positive when it's actually a negative. I think of all the, you know, the just classic example of like a politician like not answering the question and talking about something else. Like that's just kind of the world we live in or just this saying we're gonna do too many things. How many of us would say we're way too busy in this life that we live? Like they just looking at your schedule, your week coming up and we just, we maybe overextend ourselves. And so knowing that I was going to preach on this Today, like this one, this story is not from like years ago I made this mistake. This is like three days ago mistake. So I, I had a friend of mine who works at New Life emailed me. He needed some, uh, a list of uh, names from me for from, from people. And, uh, and so he emailed me and I was like, oh, I need to email him back. He wants this today. And what did I do? I forgot. And then he sees me in person the next day. He's like, hey, Joe, did you get my email? And I was like, oh, yeah, gosh, I'm so sorry. I'll email you those things that you want today. And I even threw in, I promise. <laughs> I said this knowing what I'm going to preach about right now, knowing this moment is coming every Sunday. It comes around, and I knew what I was going to preach about this Sunday. I said, I'll email you today. I, I threw I promise. And then guess what I didn't do? I forgot. It was the snow day. I could blame it on the snow. And we had the Ash Wednesday service. It got canceled and everything was, you know, everything swirling. And, and I apologized, but I was like, man, this is hard to do. It's hard even in our day to day to keep our word. But Jesus holds us to, to being like God with our words. 
Because the point here is that although we've made a mess with our words, God's promises are true. We're called to the level of, of, of importance with our language because, well, well, God holds his promises. All his promises are yes and amen, as the scripture says. He is the one who never says anything false. He keeps his word. And so today, what we're gonna do here is I'm gonna remind you of one of God's promises. And, and I'm gonna read this scripture over you. We're gonna say a prayer together. We often pray this prayer of confession in unison. It's a, it's a prayer asking for forgiveness from God. And there's probably many of us in here, myself included, that would say, yeah, we, we've messed up with our words. We, we, you know, we've, we've told white lies. We've um, said yes when we should have said no. We've said maybe when it was really never gonna happen. We've uh, used the excuse of like my phone died or I got stuck in traffic. We've used the excuse of, oh, I was sick. And it's like, well, we, we know that we were a little sick, but we could have been there. And we've used excuses and things and time after time, we have all, and I'm, I'm pointing at myself, we have all fallen short with our words, but God does not. Would you stand with me? Let me read this scripture over you. And then we're gonna pray the prayer and then we're gonna receive communion. If you want, in, in your baskets, you could begin to get the elements. We'll take communion in a full few moments. David Grothy will lead us. But right now, I wanna read this passage over you. And then we're gonna pray, pray the prayer of confession together. This is one of the promises that God gives us about confession and then him forgiving us of our sin. So if you're in the mindset right now of, of like, yeah, People are often calling me out for not being a person of my word. Here's what I want you to know. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says simply, quite clearly this. If we, confess with our, if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Let me read it again. If we confess our sins, don't miss this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So now together, we're gonna say this prayer of confession and the, the band can come up and prepare us for, for one last song. But these words right here, let's, let's pray this in unison. Let's not just say them, but pray them. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we might delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Dave, would you lead us to the table? We started the service with the psalm, and I want us to conclude. The psalmist said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. He said, Who forgives all of our sin? Go ahead and open your elements. And this blood that we have here represented in this cup, the blood of Jesus washes and cleanses all of our sin.
He said, bless the Lord who forgives all of our sin. And then he said, who heals all of our disease. Go ahead and break the wafer. This body, Jesus said to his disciples, is broken. This is my body that is broken for you. Let's just meditate a minute on the sacrifice of his stripes upon his back for our healing. Jesus, we're so grateful that you've washed us and cleansed us, but you've also healed us from the inside out, emotionally and spiritually, you've healed us. You've bound up our wounds. You've put our bodies, which are your temple, back together. Let's receive the body of the Lord. He held up the cup that night with his disciples and said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this today, Lord, in remembrance. We do this in remembrance of your sacrifice, of your gift of life to us, the abundant life that you've given to us, fullness of life in Christ. We receive the washing and cleansing through your blood together. Lord, we're so grateful. Thank you that you said you would never leave us nor forsake us. Your words are true and not a lie. Thank you for washing us, cleansing us, healing us in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.